Welcome back to Execute. I'm very excited to walk you through my answers to three fantastic questions. And I'm also going to be sharing with you a powerful coaching tool that you can use yourself to get unstuck and know what to do in any situation. You can continue to bring your questions here as you do. I really want you to be supported. I, I want to provide the information and perspective and reframes that are going to help you to move. But in between that time, it is very helpful to have a tool you can turn to that's going to help you to be decisive and feel confident that the, the action you're taking is the right one for you. So I'm excited to share that with you. So let's jump into the first question. I'm going to read it out. It's a long one. Quick reminder, try and be as concise as possible. That way we've got the much um, as much time as possible to to go deeper into the answers. But but let me read it out. I've had a potentially great referral, a wealthy client with a huge six bedroom house who had been let down at short notice by another designer, question mark, red flag. We exchanged messages and set up a discovery call. And then she asked by email, how do you charge and can you send a portfolio, which she wanted before the call? I replied, we have a minimum project fee of 25K and we tailor our images to send back after the call. She shot straight back. The fee was too much. It was way more than she expected, et cetera, et cetera. So the call never happened and I was not able to communicate the value that we bring. I'm annoyed, but I don't want to appear desperate, but I am frustrated. Was it bad communication or just not an ideal client? For context, this is a client who wanted joinery, playroom, boot room, full designs, hallway, second phase, kitchen extension, guest annex, etc. So money. So the question is how to find the balance between stating your minimum fee early on and upfront or even on the website before you speak to a client versus investing some time to helping them see the value before you get into the fees. Okay, this is a great question. So let me break it down into to bits. The first bit you asked was, is this an unideal client or is this bad communication? I'm going to say this is an unideal client because you've got somebody who's got a, a large house and what sounds like a pretty substantial project and hasn't understood at all the value of the work that you're going to do and isn't doesn't get that that's going to require a substantial design fee and just to you know you've all heard me say if you ask me what to charge you'll only get a reflection of my relationship with money but at the same time I will provide that feedback that what you're suggesting is not as a minimum is not remotely outlandish for this type of property this scale of project so the quick answer is that, yes, you've got somebody here who doesn't want to spend the money. So probably unideal. But if we dig a bit deeper, I think there's plenty of opportunities for learning within this. One of the things that jumped out to me is that there was an exchange of messages and setting up a call before providing pricing guidance. That's always a no for me. And the reason is you're giving your time and energy to somebody who you have no idea if they have the means 
or the ability or the willingness to pay your fee. So that's to me is an overinvestment of energy. It's also just edging into that thing we can do to clients, which is ask them to invest a lot of time and energy before they know the fee. And that's not a great client experience either. It's like reading the the Sunday supplements and seeing a handbag that says price on application. And you think, oh, I can't be bothered to find that out. You don't want to have to invest the time and energy if you don't know whether you can afford it. So we always want to think about the client experience that we are, we're creating in our sales funnel. I would always advocate for providing pricing guidance before setting up the call. You've mentioned in your question that they wanted to see a portfolio before the call and that you tailor your images um, to send to a client after you've done the call. So two things that come up for me here. The first is that requesting a portfolio is very reasonable. This is a client who values their time, who doesn't want to get on a call with somebody who they're not sure that it's going to be the right look and feel and vibe for them. That to me is a great client. Um, they are showing what they actually is important to them and they want it to be the right fit. For the reasons we've said about the money, they may not be the ideal, but I would love to think that all of the clients who want to work with us, they've done their homework before they got on a call. You don't want to be doing discovery calls with, with people who literally have no idea who you are. They can't reference any of your work. They can't tell you why you, they've just come with a, oh, you were recommended to me. We want someone who's done their homework before the call. So not only is requesting a portfolio reasonable, it's also indicative of a client who values their time and is prepared to do some work before before the call. So I think that's great. And I would rework your process so that you are providing more information. And to answer your question, how do you get them to see the value before you get into the fees? Will you provide that information and that portfolio further up your, your sales process? So to me, if a client inquires and you've done that basic, does it tick all of the boxes? Is it the right location, kind of right vibe, property, everything that aligns with the, the type of work you want to be doing, that is the point at which to send out a generic portfolio and a note of your fees. And then the next step is that they were inviting them to book in a call. Because the other thing that jumped out at me is that you're tailoring images to send after the call. That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> that sounds like you're starting to get into doing creative work and providing tailored solutions before you're being paid to do so. So I would really be thinking, how can I streamline this? How can I create something that is so representative of the work that we do, a PDF document, a link, however you want to share your portfolio, but it doesn't need to be 400 pages. It doesn't need to be big at all. It's, it's a simple description of your full service, how you work, some lovely imagery, and that core message around why you what is the difference that makes the difference in the way that you do things? It can be very, very simple, but you want to have a 
resource, a document, a link that you send to every single client before they go ahead and book a, a call, you're immediately then claiming back time and allowing your, your process to do the heavy lifting, not starting to get into doing creative work without any indication that this person might become a client. So I would also be asking these questions about your process. So the first question I want you to reflect on is how can my marketing communicate the value so I'm not holding back and waiting for the perfect point in the sales process where I then pull pull the cloth away and dazzle them. This is a massive energy drain. If we're always trying to gauge what's the point I could share my price? Do they like me? Is now a good time? Do I think they're going to be favorable to this? There is a lot of mental energy going into that. We want clients to be sold on our value before they even send their inquiry. Or in this case, where they've been let down at short notice by somebody else, they've probably come to you quickly in a bit of a panic. You immediately send something that demonstrates that value before you go into the next stages. I want you to be thinking, how can I be so empowered about the work that I have already done, the portfolio I've got, the way I work and the way I present that, that I can send that out to a prospective client without having to get on a call with them and try and win them over with, with my great personality. Because you can really get to the place where you can be a master of a discovery call. And this is your very much part of the process in growing a business and being a salesperson and selling services is getting really good at selling. But as your business grows, as you step more into being a leader and being able to take some stuff off your plate, we want to be asking, how can our marketing do some of the work that I am traditionally doing on a sales call? How can what I'm sending out in a systematic way to every single client replace the things that I say again and again when I get on a call? How can I give somebody the, the vibe and the value of my service before they actually get on a call? It works for you and it's great for your client because they're not then investing their time in booking a call without really knowing if you're the one for them. So I really want you to think about that upper part of the process and not relying on the discovery call to be the point at which you communicate the value. The, the value should be clear further up your, your sales and marketing process. Second thing to consider is how can your marketing communicate the standards that you have around who you work with? It is a two-way process. So when you've said, you know, potential red flag client, you may not um, have as one of your standards somebody who's been let down, but you may have somebody who is panicky, looking to make a quick appointment, hasn't done their homework. You know, and it may be that your marketing communicate something along the lines of our designs are are considered we go deep we really get to know you and we take our time to make sure that it's it's absolutely right for you so we don't rush the process 
This is all stuff that you can be putting out on Instagram, on your website. Think about how you can be communicating it at scale rather than in a in a one-to-one call. But essentially, you're giving the message that we don't do panic and rush and last minute, you know, need to get started immediately. We work with people for whom we are absolutely the right one. And we take our time and we make sure that by the end of the process, you know, you are so happy because we've taken our time. Third thing to consider, because it comes up, I can feel it in the question, is there is a question around the the minimum project fee. I may be wrong on this. So if you're totally sold on that and happy with that, then that is absolutely fine. But the reason that I'm feeling there may be a question is because there is a holding back on sharing it earlier in the process. If we are fully in our power around our prices and absolutely certain that the value we bring is worth that minimum fee, then why wouldn't we tell somebody sooner? So if you're feeling any hint of wobbliness about this, that's not a sign to lower the fee. It's a sign that there's work to do energetically to convince yourself that you are absolutely, the services that your studio provides is absolutely worth that fee. And that may be about reminding yourself the kind of work you do, the way in which you do it, the testimonials you've got from previous clients, looking at the numbers in your business and an understanding of, of course, our project fees have to be at least this because this is the the business that somebody's buying into. I want you to think about the evidence you need to collect just to really cement that certainty around that being your minimum fee and being able to get yourself to a place where you can declare it early on in the process as if you were talking about the weather. It is not this big thing that has to be revealed once they've fallen in love with you It's just a very matter of fact. Yep, we are a professional design studio. And because of the level of care and certainty, we care and um, consideration we give to all of our clients, this is our minimum fee. That's it. And the last thing that I will say on this, on the process, is what could you be sharing with clients earlier on that will build the trust and communicate the value. So I really want you to go back to basics on this. We can think that we have said everything (laughs) that we have to say a thousand times, testimonials, befores and afters, the way we work. To us, it feels like we are on repeat, but to our clients or prospective clients, we are not. People do not see all of our content. They don't even remember it, even if they do. And people need to be told and reminded so many times to build that trust and to actually have people understand who you are, what you do, why you're different. So I really want you to go back to basics on this and just think, what are the key messages that I want to be sharing across my Instagram, in the wording on my website, in any form of visibility and awareness raising work you're doing, what is it that you need to share that will provide that hook for people to think, okay, yeah, that that might be the right designer for me. And also 
start to build that trust so that you're not having to work so hard. And there isn't a question of, well, do they see the value? How can I get them to see the value? You get them to see the value based on what you share earlier in the process. Final thing, a couple of things for you, not questions, but a couple of further reflections. This may not be goodbye. So you've had a client who's come to you in a bit of a panic and sounds like they've quite quickly said, well, no, that's that's far too much. And that isn't what I was expecting. Goodbye. But as I've said, I don't think that sounds for the type of property and the type of work they are talking about. That is not an outlandish minimum fee. And it may be that they're going to talk to a lot of other designers and find that actually their fees are coming in at that and then some, or they may find that there isn't the availability and so on. So I think when you've got somebody who's reacted in that way, there's really a lesson for us, which is how could we have prepared that client to understand the fee earlier in the process? So it wasn't this shock, horror, bluster, okay, that's too much, but have somebody who is already prepared and understands it. And then, so when we do talk about it, it's not a surprise at all, but it may be that they've just had a shock reaction and have gone off. It sounds to me, this is worth a circle back. I am not into chasing clients down relentlessly, but I will often do one follow-up. You know, it was great to exchange messages you know, a few weeks ago, whenever. I'm still um, holding you in mind. I'm wondering how, if you've managed to move forward with your project, let us know if we can help. You know, super relaxed, a simple invitation. We are still here. This is the kind of work we do. We have availability. Often, you know, the chances are you won't hear back from them because, they've moved on and they're doing something else or they found someone else that you know the, the odds just looking objectively about sales and follow-ups that's probably the likelihood but you never know that that email may just be the thing and they go oh actually yes and now in the context of everything else I've received that fee's not that unreasonable so I would say one follow-up one circle back partly so you can just see if this is a project that you could still land and partly because whilst you may have a client here who didn't initially understand the value, they've now done a bit more research and they now actually get it and realize that what you've proposed is not a crazy fee at all. And if the price was the only sticking point and otherwise they were cool and nice and it was a great project, they could still be a great client. And last thing I want you to hold on to, where there is one, there is 10. Where there is 10, there is 100. So whilst we can feel that this was this great project and now it's gone away and, oh, you know, it's so frustrating, we have to believe where there is one, there is 10. Where there is 10, there is 100. There are so many other fabulous projects out there. And so the, the work in this is to refine the process, look at all the opportunities to create that standard, build that trust, communicate the value of what you do early in the process across everything and just tighten up the process that you're bringing clients through and there will be other opportunities. Okay, 
let me move on to the next question, which is about outsourcing and about really leaning into our zone of genius and being prepared to find ways of doing things which may go against industry convention, may go against how we think we should be doing something, but really is is right and true to us. So let me let me read out the question. I've had a design project confirmed where the clients have already engaged some architects. Usually when working with architects, they produce their own drawings, but this firm want me to produce detailed joinery drawings to submit to their joiner. I don't use any design software and I don't produce drawings other than small hand-drawn sketches to show design intent. I have managed to insist that we use my specialist joiner for the drawings, but this issue of drawings keeps popping up for me and I'm not sure where to start. Should I hire someone? Should I learn how to produce drawings via an online course? Or should I stick to what I do now? I just worry that not producing drawings may hamper my business growth down the line. Okay, I love this question as well. So because I have all of the questions and I produce these episodes for you guys, I know that this has been a question for you for a while because we've talked previously about how to, you've asked a previous question on a previous episode about how to hire freelancers for doing drawings work, for doing CAD work. So I know that this has been a question in your mind for a while. And what I don't know is whether you've started down that route and that hasn't worked out for you or whether you're stalling on it and considering still whether to hire a freelancer or not. So what I want to share with you is a couple of thoughts, but also a fantastic coaching framework that I'm going to walk you through. But all of you can use in any situation that you're in to find the right way forward, to get unstuck on something and make the the move that's going to feel most aligned and most right for you. So the first thing that I will say on this is I really advise you to go back and re-watch the, the training that's inside module two of Align for Growth. It's training three. And in that training, I talk about the, the different zones in which we all function and spend our lives moving between. And I talk about the zone of incompetence where, you know, that's all the stuff that you're completely terrible at for me it's like changing the printer cartridges or fixing the dishwasher or something like don't get it don't like it would pay almost anything for someone else to do this for me you then have your zone of competence where you know you can do it but there are plenty of other people who could do it you have your zone of excellence where which are the things that you are absolutely great at but again you are perhaps not capitalizing on your natural abilities. It's just things you've become excellent at. And then you have your zone of genius. And this is where you're capitalizing on your natural abilities, which are innate. They're not learned. So this is your state of flow. And I suggest you go back and, and watch that training again, because I think what is going to come up for you is, is really tuning into what your zone of genius is around doing this work. I can definitely feel 
resistance from you around doing drawings. And I also don't think that it's a brilliant business decision for you to start learning how to produce drawings via an online course, because my instinct is this is not going to be in your zone of genius. It's not what you've come up doing. It's not how you naturally produce designs. You do small hand-drawn sketches and you convey your design intent. So my feeling is that whilst business and the realities of running a modern interior design studio may be that your ability to produce CAD drawings, that's important. It's important for your clients. It's important for your collaborators, architects, and so on. But I'm not convinced that you should be the person doing it. So this question around, should I stick to what I do now? I would really like you to think, how can I lean into my zone of genius? How can I capitalize on the things that I am really good at that make me feel feel very fulfilled, really like I'm enjoying this work. I'm doing the, the thing that, that really plays on my innate genius. And at the same time, be providing the service in the way that the service is required. I don't think there is probably a huge amount of, of space for design studios who don't in some way start to embrace the way that the world now works. And I mean, technical drawings, renderings, automations, payment systems, online you know, software, all of this stuff is very much part of the world of work and it can feel daunting and it can feel intimidating. If you're anything like me, I am a tech idiot a lot of the time, but I've absolutely had to learn at a at a broad brush level how to how to understand these stuff and then to bring people into my team who can do the detail on it. And that's my instinct around around this for you, that you do not need to be the person producing the drawings yourself. You do not need to learn this. This is going to suck up a lot of time, a lot of energy. And my instinct is it's going to take you away from what you're inherently good at and love doing. So what I really want you to think about is how can you honor your process whilst creating that service in a way that really does meet the needs of your clients. So let me walk you through this self-coaching framework that I use all the time to get out of if I'm feeling overwhelmed, if I need to tune into what my intuition is telling me, if I'm just feeling a bit stuck and hmm, what's what's the right move to make. So there's five steps to it. The first step is to unpack. So I want you to, because I know this has been a question for you for a while. So I want you to open up a notebook or a blank document, journal, anything like that, and write down everything around this that is buzzing around in your mind. It doesn't matter if it's an incoherent, scrambly mess, just get it all out until there's nothing left in your mind. The second step is to identify the real challenge. So I want you to look at what you've written and ask yourself, what is the real challenge here for me? And in one sentence, 
write down whatever comes to your mind and just allow yourself to feel all of the feelings that come with that. The third step is to ideate next steps. So I want you to write down a minimum of five possible next steps you could take, but it could be way more if you have more ideas, but just allow your thoughts to flow, allow yourself to jot down any possible next steps that you could take on this. The fourth step is to tune into your intuition. So when you slowly read through the list of possible next steps and notice what feedback your body's giving you, when you consider moving forward with these actions, you're going to feel something in your body. You're going to get a different physical feeling in your body for a yes and for a no. And you can practice this. You can play around with a really easy, obvious question like, let's see, is the sun going to rise tomorrow? The answer is yes. So, and just feel what sensation your body is giving you as you ask yourself that question and feel the answer. You can then, you there might also be something that you know is an obvious no. Practice around, feel, feel what that feels like. For me, a no is is a tightening. It feels constrained. It feels like everything has just kind of gripped inside. Whereas for me, a yes feels expansive. It feels warm. It feels exciting. It feels tingly. It feels like I can breathe easier. So notice what those physical responses your body is sending you are. And then as you read through what you've written down as possible next steps, you're going to feel into these and feel which one is a yes and which one is a no. And then the fifth and final step is when you've identified what feels most aligned for you to action. When you've got that list and you've ticked off, yes, this is a yes, or that one, that's not feeling right. And you've decided this is going to be my next step. This is going to be the thing I'm going to do. I want you to ask yourself, what do I need to move ahead with this? Now, this could be time, could be space, could be rest. Sleep is an amazing resource. You might need additional resources. You might need some coaching. You might need to connect with someone who's already done this or can give you some advice around where to, to go to find a person or action the next step, whatever it is. It might be something that will raise your energy if you're just feeling a bit, Ugh, this all feels hard. You know the things to do that, that raise your energy. So whatever comes up to the question, what do I need to move ahead with this? Write it down. And then I want you to finish this exercise with a written declaration, which is essentially, I feel, and you're going to infill whatever feeling has come up for you in that second stage, because, so you're going to identify the feeling and the reason you're feeling this. And then you're going to write down, having considered possible next steps, I trust that the best next step is, and you're going to write down what you're going to do. The first action I will take is fill in the blank. What's your first step? And I will do it. 
and you declare when you're going to do it. Is it today, tomorrow, next week? We want to to give ourselves a time frame, which is not, oh, I'll do this in January, that we're actually moving with it and starting to take steps sooner. So I really want you to run through this process around this issue because I think it's going to help you enormously in getting unstuck. As I say, go back, rewatch module two, training three, which is all about zones of genius and finding others who can support you in those zones where you are not genius at all, but you can absolutely infill with people who are great and it is their zone of genius. And I really hope that this this has helped you to move forward with it. I I really want you to to stay firmly doing the things that you love and are wonderful at and your clients love you for and and rise into that instead of just being the designer, being the lead, the leader of a business where you're able to make decisions around the delivery of a service that doesn't require you to be the one doing every single element of that delivery. Okay, I hope that helps. Final question is, thinking about marketing, I'm wondering if it would make sense to donate my color consultation package to the local private school Christmas fair. I know that my ideal clients will be at this and I thought it might give me some visibility. Is this a good move? I'm thinking it will hopefully make me more money in the long run. Smart thinking. Okay, let's just do some simple kind of pros and cons on this, and then I'm going to give you some considerations. So the pros here is that you're going to get some visibility and it's going to get you in front of your ideal clients. So you've got the right audience. So there's, and and I would also add to that, that it's an existing package. You've already got it available. So what becomes really inefficient is if we see an opportunity and then we create a completely bespoke service offer around it. Any service, any package, anything that you're creating, that's going to take work and energy. So we want anything that we're creating around our services, we want to be scalable. And that means we can sell it more than once to more than one person. So you've got a pro here. It's an existing package great. The downside on this, I would say you have to do it for free because it sounds like you're donating it. So just ask yourself, how will that feel? And you can use the the framework that I've just walked through that the self-coaching tool to consider, is this a yes or is it a no? How does it feel to give away a color consultation and do it for free? There is no right or wrong. There is absolutely no right or wrong, but I just want you to to feel really certain about that because there's nothing worse than selling something and then somebody or offering something and somebody says yes or wins it in the in the Christmas raffle and then you think, oh, now I have to do this. That doesn't excite me. So I really want whatever you're putting forward to feel really exciting and really good for you. Some things to consider as part of this is the first thing is how will the school market it? So it you really want it to get if the if the upside of this is the visibility, you really want to make sure that you're actually going to get the visibility, that it's not just buried inside a load of possible prizes, but only the person who wins the prize actually sees what it is. So 
it's really worth looking into that. How will the prizes be displayed, announced, and making sure that you have got, this isn't just about offering a consultation for the school Christmas fair. How can you get your messaging around that? So on, if it's, I don't know, an advert or a booklet or a web page or however these prizes are being displayed, you're able to provide that that sentence and that link to your website or Instagram or both where you're explaining who you are, what you do, who you help. And so regardless of who wins this, this package, more people are becoming aware of you, that you're actually getting the visibility that, that you want to. The other thing to consider is just around the logistics of it. So when when would you want someone to say yes to it? It can often be helpful just to provide some limits around it has to be taken by the end of January or you have to allow me to take photographs or you have to provide a testimonial. Whatever conditions are going to really make this work for you from a time point of view and to get the maximum marketing benefit from it. I would put that into the the small print that goes around it so that anybody, you know, I imagine that anybody who wins this in a Christmas fair will be unbelievably thrilled, but you just want to provide some, some terms and conditions around it so that they're clear that you are going to get something from this as well. And then I would consider the follow-up on this. So if you've raised this visibility to this audience at this one opportunity, how can you extend that visibility? So is there a way that you can continue to be in front of these people and remind them of who you are and what you do? That's one of the downsides of something like this is, or anything that's offline really, if when we're not actually using a lead magnet that allows us to capture an email address, it makes that nurturing harder because somebody might see it and think that sounds fabulous and then they forget. So what can you inject into this to encourage people to follow you, to get on your email list or to get yourself in front of them again next time around? Is there an Easter fair, for example, or are there other ways that you can maintain that visibility and not just make it a one-time thing? So long answer, short answer is yes, I think it's a great idea. I think that we should all be always looking for the opportunities to raise our visibility and to bring money into our business in different ways. And I know that this is a donation, but there is potentially the what could come on the back of it. We can get very complacent as business owners, we can think, well, this is who we serve and these are the services that we offer. And so we just continue. Whereas actually, if we open our mind up and consider what are all the opportunities available to me to become more visible, to make more money, to serve more people, there are so many ways you can do it. And if you just start to switch that in your mind, you'll start having all of these ideas coming to you. The Christmas fair is one of them. I'm right in the middle of promoting Black Friday as at the time I'm recording this. 
it would have been very easy for me to come to the end of having done a talk at Decorex and welcomed in a lot of new clients into the business to think, oh, I can't be bothered doing anything with Black Friday. But no, it's all of these things present opportunities to become more visible, serve people in new and different ways, and to bring more money into the business. So if we're always thinking, what's that opportunity? How can we do that? That's really going to serve you and the business going forward. We don't want to just think of our services as this static thing that we've created once and then so it stays like that forever. We always want to be looking for the opportunities. That's what's going to make your business work and, and make it feel exciting as well. So I love that you're thinking about this. I really do. I think it's great. Just think about the considerations I've given you, but I'm excited for you and excited for your very lucky potential clients who are going to win win your consultation. So good luck with that. Thank you for the excellent questions. I've very much enjoyed recording answers for you. I hope they have served you. At the time of recording this, we are coming up to, to Christmas. So I'm really looking forward to getting your final questions to end the year. And as you're thinking about what those might be, really think forward into 2024. What is it that you are coming up against? What's feeling challenging? What do you want for your business next year? What are the bigger strategic questions that you have around how you're going to get there? I love receiving your questions, whatever they are, whether they're day-to-days or whether they're bigger strategic questions. But just given the time of year, this is a really powerful opportunity to round out 23 and set yourself up strong for 2024. And I'm really excited and, and happy to provide the support to you around that. Okay, I will see you on the next episode. Have a great rest of your day.